right. Well, good morning, church. If you have a Bible, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we are beginning our new five-week series called Challenged Values. Uh, So last week, we talked about our church vision statement and how we can apply that to our lives in 2024. Now today, we are moving into discussing our five core values that we hold to here at Kernan. Uh, But the thing is, these values will be challenged in different ways. So that can happen from the outside world, of course, yes. But these values can be challenged even by ourselves because we will be tempted from time to time to give in to the sinful inclinations of our hearts and, and really veer off the road as we are pursuing our vision together that God has given us. So the point of this series is really to answer the question, How can we stay true to these values as a church family in the face of different challenges that may come our way? So that's what we're going to dig into over the next five weeks as we look at each of these core values one by one, and I hope the Lord really blesses you through this. So before we dive in, let's pray and ask God to help us understand his word today. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you that we get to be here. We thank you that we get to worship your name Lord, we need to hear from you today. We want to hear from you today, Lord. Give us a desire, God, to understand and know your word, to know you better. So Holy Spirit, speak your truth deep into our hearts and transform who we are as we think about these values. Lord, apply them to our hearts, to our minds, and therefore to our church, but also to ourselves as individuals. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week, we looked, like I said, we looked at our vision statement, which is this. Kernan exists to glorify God by making disciples who really do three things, right? Who worship with authenticity, who walk in community, and witness as we go. So that is our vision, or you could call it our destination, that's where we believe God wants us to go as a church. That's, that's what he is calling us to do. It's who he is calling us to be. So that's our vision. But that means then that our core values really serve as guardrails. So you know when you're driving on an interstate, you look over to the side, and what do you see running along the sides of the road before the ditch on the other side, right? You see guardrails. Those are there to keep you on the road. And that's exactly what these core values do for us. They keep us from veering off the road too far to the right, to the left. They keep us centered on the path that we believe God has laid down before us. So these are our core values. You'll see them on the screen all here together. All right, so I'll just read them real quick. We keep the gospel first. We want to know what the Bible says and means. We pray frequently and specifically. We serve the needs of others before our own, and we believe membership is essential to one's commitment to the church. And so these are the five core values that we adopted in the year 2020, and so we've been, we're now four years into this, and I believe our church, we're doing a a good job. I think we're we're living these out. I think we have a healthy culture here uh, because we do apply these values to our lives, but we have to keep reminding ourselves of them and keep finding ways to apply them so that they don't grow stale or they don't grow cold. And we really uh, come at this with a refreshing mind and spirit every, every year. So that's why we're doing this at the beginning of the year. But as we move forward as a church, 
pursuing this vision God has given us, here's the deal. The reality is we're going to get hit. We're going to get hit on all sides with all kinds of challenges that are going to speak to us and say, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to value that. Or no, you don't have to value this, right? So we're going to be tempted to really veer off the road that God has called us to be on. So some of those challenges will be more of our own fault, right? So it's kind of like, I mean, kind of like distracted driving, which is a big deal these days, and it's very dangerous, right? So if you're looking at your phone instead of the road, or if you're trying to eat food while you're driving and looking at your ketchup, right, that you're dipping your fries in, you think you're in control, but the reality is you can quickly veer off the road and you can hurt yourself or hurt someone else. And so it is extremely dangerous. So in a similar way, right, in a similar way, when we look to other things, when we take our eyes off of Christ, when we take our eyes off of the vision he's given us and we start being distracted, looking at secondary, tertiary things and elevating them, here's what happens. That leads us to veer off the path. That leads us down paths that can cause division, dissension, arguing, all kinds of issues. But other challenges, so, so that's internal, right? That, that's our own fault for being distracted. But here's the deal. Other challenges will be more external and out of our control, right? So this would be more like driving through a thunderstorm, right? When you're driving through a thunderstorm, there's nothing you can do to stop it. It's there. It's what's happening. Those are the elements that you're driving in. And so what do you do? Well, you probably, like me, you grip the wheel a little tighter, right? You grip it a little tighter with two hands. You focus a little better on what's in front of you, right? I always have my glasses with me. If I know it's going to rain, I put them on. The eye doctor told me I should wear them every time I drive. So that's, that. maybe that is my own fault, right? That's not an external problem. That's an internal problem. So in a similar way, right, the changing, here, here's the deal, the changing winds of culture, right? The, the things that are outside the, that we can't control, they will press in on us at times and present all kinds of challenges to us, right? They're going to present all kinds of challenges to our faith. So what are we going to have to do in those moments? We're going to have to grip the wheel a little tighter. We're going to have to focus more intently at times on what God has called us to do in different and specific situations. So these values are important. They're the guardrails. If we can live these out, We can stay on the road that God has called us to be on. So today we're going to begin with our first core value, and it's number one for a reason, and it's this. We keep the gospel first. Here at Kernan Church, there's a lot of important things to talk about, but nothing is more important than the gospel of Jesus Christ, so we're going to keep the gospel first. Now we get this straight out of the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Destiny read this for us earlier in the service. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 5. Listen to this. Paul says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance... First importance, what I also received, he says, and here it is, this is the message he received that he's delivering to everyone else. He says, this is of first importance. What is it? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, 
and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12. Cephas is Peter. So did you see that in verse 3? Did you see it? Paul says, this is what is most important. This is what is of first importance, he says, that Christ died for our sins and was raised on the third day. That's the gospel. See, Paul isn't saying, he's not saying this is the only important thing. He's not saying that. He's prioritizing here, right? I mean, he just spent the whole first 14 chapters of this letter to the church in Corinth addressing all kinds of problems they were having, all right? He spent a lot of time expounding issues, very specific details about very specific things, but then he gets to chapter 15, he says, but you know what is most important? The gospel of Jesus Christ. So what he is saying is that the gospel, the good news of how Jesus paid for our sin and how he secured and won eternal life for us through his death and through his resurrection, Paul says that is the most important thing. That's what the gospel is. It is Christ's death and resurrection. It's the good news that Jesus lived, died, and was raised from the dead as our substitute, as our substitute to deliver us from our sins and bring us into a peaceful relationship with God forever. It's the most important news you'll ever hear. You see, we pay attention to important news, don't we? Unimportant news doesn't really intrigue you, doesn't it? You can tell when there's not much going on around town because the local news will start sending reporters to like someone's house where a cat's stuck in a tree, you know? Like we're here live on Kernan Boulevard where rescue workers have been trying to get this cat out of there. Like, is there anything more important going on in the world today, right? Nobody really cares unless it's your cat, right? Then you care. You see, the news, the news means a lot more to you when it directly affects you, doesn't it? Well, guess what? This news that Paul said he is delivering, this news that the church has been delivering for 2,000 years now, this news affects all of us directly. This news has implications for every single human who has ever lived. Why? Because it's news about you. It's news about how you can be reconciled with your creator. We've been separated because of our own choosing, because of our own sin from our creator who created us to love him above all things, to worship him above all things, not beside all things, not occasionally beneath some things, but always to love and worship him above all things with all of our heart and all of our affection, all of our desire. And so we're all guilty of not doing that, which means because of our sin and because of God's perfection, we cannot live with him. We're separated from him. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, we're separated from living with God. So are we. So the good news is, see, that's the bad news, right? But on the backdrop of that bad news, how much sweeter is this good news? This good news tells us that you don't have to be separated from God forever because God did something about that himself. He came to earth as one of us, fully God and fully man, Jesus Christ in the flesh to do what we could never do, to live a perfect life, to die the death that we should have died and to raise from the grave to defeat the power of death and sin forever. 
You see, that's news that affects all of us. Every single one of us is affected by that news, whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether you believe in the Bible or not, you are affected by this news. So what could be more important than that? (laughs) I mean, if we're making priorities as to what's the most important stuff in our life, what could be more important than that? Your eternity. Your eternity is at stake. Jesus thought this was important as well. Look what he said in Mark chapter one. When he began his ministry, this is what he said. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. He didn't say, repent and believe in this other stuff or do this or do that. He says, no, The first thing out of Jesus' mouth when he begins his ministry, repent and believe in the gospel. It's the first thing. It's the most important thing Jesus preached about. Look at the impact and power Paul knows the gospel has. In Romans 1, verse 16 and 17, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power. It is the power. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Faith in what? Faith in Christ, in the gospel, what he has done. So this first core value of our church, we keep the gospel first. It's really about priorities, right? If the gospel is first, If it's of first importance, as Paul says, that means naturally there are things that will rank second. There are things that will rank third, and so on. It's a priority list for life. It's a priority list for ministry. So the challenge, or the temptation, the way this value will be challenged, is going to be to put other things ahead, other things above the gospel And that's going to be true in our lives together as a church family. It's also going to be true separately as individuals. So the main question that we're really asking today is how can we keep the gospel first on our priority list? We all have priority lists. Every week, every day, whether you actually make a list or not, whether you're you're a type A personnel and you have a list, right? or whether you just kind of fly by the seat of the pants, you're still acting on what you believe is important every single day. How can we keep the gospel first on our priority list? And the answer, I'll go ahead and give you the answer. There's really just one main answer, right? It's by giving proper attention and value to it. That's how we're gonna keep it first. That's how you keep anything first. And we need to think about this in two different aspects. We need to think about this as individuals, how this is true, and then corporately as a church, how this is true. So let's, let's first look at how can we keep the gospel first, really, really in our lives as individuals. Now, I know none of you husbands out there have ever been accused of not paying attention. Okay, I know that's true, right? Some of you are like, what did he just say? <laughs> but when the game is on, <laughs> when the game's on, right, do you have trouble paying attention in that moment? Probably not, right? Okay, and I'm not gonna pick on us husbands too bad, but this is true for all of us, really. This is true for all of us, right? We pay attention 
to things that we value, right? Think of another example. Think of, think of good causes or, or movements that an organization of some kind or a nonprofit wants you to know about and support. So like funding for cancer research or even like one of the organizations we support here at our church, First Coast Women's Services. What do they do? They shine a spotlight on a particular issue or concern or need, right? They shine a spotlight on that to raise awareness. And as they raise awareness, the hope is that people will see the value in supporting it, right? Well, you could really take that and apply it to our individual daily lives. If we're going to truly value the gospel, we must continually raise awareness to ourselves about its glorious truth all the time. We must continually remind ourselves of how valuable it actually is by intentionally giving focused attention to it. We have to raise awareness in our own thought patterns every single day. You know, a lot of people say you are what you eat. Truth to that. You are what you think. You are what you think. In other words, the whatever you are filling your mind and your thought patterns with throughout the day, you're going to eventually believe that. And so we have to keep coming back to the truth of what the gospel tells us because it's not an opinion. It's not an opinion. It's not advice. It's news. It's already happened. So you can't change it. You can't wish it into something that's not. It's a historical fact that's already happened, but you have to keep coming back to it. Author Tim Keller said, the power of the gospel comes in two movements. So basically, the gospel tells you two things, ready? The first, he says, the gospel tells us, I am more sinful and flawed than I ever dared believe. I am more sinful and flawed than I ever dared believe. But then quickly, it follows with this, but I'm also more accepted and loved than I ever dared hope. Tells you both of those things, doesn't it? In that order. It first tells you, you're probably worse than you think you are. (laughs) But the second thing, the thing that overcomes, I'm more accepted and loved than I ever dared hope. You see, when you really start meditating on that truth, you will be reminded that, yes, I am sinful. And so I must be aware of my personal temptations. I must be aware of my vulnerabilities to sin and to cave in or to do this or to do that that does not please God or that harms others or myself. I have to be aware of these sinful temptations inside myself. But in Christ, I have everything I could ever need. In Christ Jesus, I have everything I could ever need. So I don't need whatever this false promise that sin is offering me today. Whatever sin is telling me, you can get this, right? Just like Satan in the Garden of Eden when he tempted Eve, oh, if you eat this fruit, you will be like God. It's a false promise. It's a lie. So whatever it is that you struggle with, what you have to keep reminding yourself, listen, if you want to break addictions and break habits, 
Dwell on who you really are in the gospel. Dwell on your true identity in Christ. You don't need that thing to give you pleasure. You don't need that thing to make you happy and bring joy into your life, whatever it is. You see it? Giving proper attention to who we really are, our true identity. Giving proper focused attention on the gospel every day in your thought life will transform you. That's what Titus 2 tells us. Paul says, verse 11 through 14, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. What does it do? It trains you. It trains your thoughts. Look at this. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. You see, in the quiet, still moments of your day, when you're pondering the implications of what Jesus' death and resurrection did for you, In other words, when you give proper attention, when you give proper attention and value to your salvation, to your true identity, who you really are in Christ Jesus, to the fact that you are loved and accepted by God. And his opinion of you is the only one that really matters. When you realize these things, that you have an eternal inheritance waiting for you for all eternity, that you have a seat with your name at it at the table of God. You see, the Holy Spirit uses these truths, this gospel reality, to transform your thinking and therefore your life, your behavior, your loves, your affections, your desires. It will change the way you think about approval and acceptance. You see, because now, maybe some of you right now, you exhaust yourself. You exhaust yourself seeking the approval of other people. How do you do that? By promoting your self-image. You're constantly looking for ways to promote your self-image or your beauty or your appearance and just flaunting, perhaps flaunting your skills, flaunting your knowledge. You want other people to see how smart you are. You want other people to know how well-trained and skillful you are. And so you're just exhausting yourself. It's a rat race because all you want is people to think highly of you. And you're a slave to that. But in the gospel, how does the gospel cure that? You see, in the gospel, you don't need that from them. You have it from God. You see it? You don't have to seek that approval anymore. The gospel tells you you are already loved, accepted, and thought highly of and approved of more than you would ever dared hope in God through Christ Jesus. Maybe now some of you are worried about money and you feel that you just never have enough money. But in the gospel, here's the deal. You don't have to be anxious about this. Because you know that God will supply all your needs in Christ Jesus and more so, he will give you a future eternal inheritance that nothing in this world could ever come close to comparing to. 
as we focus our hearts and our minds on the truth of who we are, on what we've been given, on the beauty of Jesus, on the true identity and the people of God we really are, the anxieties, the fears, the distractions begin to slowly melt away. It's real life change. It's real life change. But you have to give proper attention. You have to give proper value to it. So as individuals, let me ask you, are you keeping the gospel first? Are you really putting it above everything else? What false narratives are you believing about yourself? What false narratives perhaps are you believing about other people? What idols are controlling your heart and steering your direction in life? Are you keeping the gospel above these things? Are you keeping the gospel first? So we must do this as individuals. But secondly, we must give proper attention and value to this as a church, corporately, all of us together, as Kernan Church. You see, if we're going to keep the gospel as our top priority here at Kernan, then we must give that proper attention and value to it in all areas of our church. So here at Kernan, we have prioritized our beliefs. And you know, just like we've been talking about today, With the gospel, we do affirm here at our church that some of our beliefs are more important than others. So to understand and to clarify what we mean by this and how we prioritize uh, our doctrinal beliefs here at Kernan, we use a tool called the theological triage, uh, or you can call it the theological pyramid, or you can call it that thing that Andrew's always talking about, right? (laughs) Um, but if you've been through our new members class, Discover Kernan, you've seen this before. So I want to show it to you on the screen here. So this helps guide our thoughts. This helps us as a church prioritize what is most important. Where should we give most of our attention and most of our focus on and to? All right, so I'm going to break this down for you real quick, level by level. And you may think this is Man, is the sermon over? No, it's not. Like, this is important, all right? This is important, especially if you're a member here at Kernan, but even if you're not, this is important for any Christian to think through as where your theological beliefs really align in your heart and the way you give your attention to them. All right, so on the top level, the first level are issues in our faith, in Christianity. These are issues that are essential to the Christian faith, all right? So these are non-negotiables. These are truths that you must affirm to just be a Christian, all right? Not just to be like a member here at Kernan, but to be a Christian in general, okay? So some examples of these uh, issues or beliefs would be, uh, for example, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've just talked about that, right? His perfect life, atoning death, the reality of his resurrection. Uh, Another one would be the Trinity, right? God is one in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is one God. What about this? The divinity and humanity of Jesus. Um, Another one would be salvation by grace alone through faith alone. So not by our effort or our works, but what Christ has done. Uh, Another example would be the authority of the Bible. The Bible is without error. It's sufficient for all of our needs. So, So these are issues that are essential to the Christian faith. So we prioritize those here at Kernan. You're going to hear us talk more about those than other things here at Kernan. Again, even it's reflected in our own core values. What do we do? We keep the gospel 
first above other priorities. All right. Now, moving down to that second level, now we're talking about this middle level here. Now we're talking about issues that differ between Christian denominations. All right. So these are, these are things or beliefs that, you know, Baptists like us may have disagreement with our brothers and sisters in other denominations on some levels. So there's a reason that we're Baptist. There's a reason that other churches are Methodist or Presbyterian or Pentecostal and so on, right? We're all seeking to love the Lord. We're all seeking and love Jesus. Uh, there's just a few things that we may have disagreement on. Now, by the way, I'm not trying to be too cynical here, but maybe just a little. When a church, <laughs> when a church says that they're non-denominational, can I just tell you that what they mean by that is that they don't affiliate with a certain organized group, but doctrinally, there really is no such thing as a non-denominational church. Every church uh, has some kind of alignment with one of these particular doctrines. So some examples of things that would fall on this second level would be uh, the mode and timing of baptism, all right? So as Baptists, we baptize people after they trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior by immersion, right? So you're going all the way under the water, right? We're not just going to throw it on you. You're going all the way under, okay? So that's one example. Uh, another example would be how a church governs itself. If it answers to a hierarchy or like a presbytery or something like that above it, uh, who can be ordained as a pastor would be another example of a second level issue. So again, these are just some things that, that we would say, you know what? If you're going to be Baptist, if you're going to be a member here at Kernan, these are our beliefs and how we articulate these things. All right, now moving down to the third level. All right, these issues are things where it's okay to have different opinions, but you're still a part of the same church. Ooh, that's possible? Yes, absolutely. We welcome it. It's great. These are issues where it's okay to have different opinions, but you still get to be, be a part of the same church family. So these are issues where the Bible allows us to have freedom of opinion on these topics, all right? But now the funny thing is, it's these third level, these tertiary topics that we often love to talk about the most, right? Because they're interesting, and that's great. And sometimes they're controversial and I mean, let's be real, we all kind of like talking about controversial things from time to time, don't we? So unfortunately, uh, these topics hold our attention sometimes more than the topics on level two or level one. I mean, let's be real, all of you want to, all of you would rather have a discussion today at lunch about, you know, who you're voting for or whatever than you would the Trinity, right? I mean, I would rather talk about the Trinity far more, but whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's just, that's just our natural inclination. So here's some examples of uh, some of these opinions that we, there's, there's room for disagreement and we welcome it. We, we love diversity here at Kernan and we want to have different opinions about things um, and, it, and it, it's okay. It's okay. All right. So here's, here they are. Ready? These are just examples. Uh, your opinion on politics. All right. Your opinion on the timeline of Jesus's return, not his return itself. Right, we, we affirm Jesus is going to return and establish uh, the new heaven and the new earth, right? The new Jerusalem. All right, so we affirm that, but the timeline that it's going to happen and all the details, that is up for debate. In all Christian circles for the last 2,000 years, we've been debating different uh, issues of that timeline. It's okay if we don't all see eye to eye on that. Your preference on the style of music, 
that we sing at church. Uh, whether or not you should drink alcohol, whether or not you should eat only organic foods. That was supposed to be kind of funny. Whether or not you should homeschool your kids, uh, whether or not you should cheer for the Gators or the Seminoles, right? Correct answer, neither. <laughs> Georgia Tech, that's where you need to be, right? All right. <laughs> You're like, nobody like that. Some of, there's some of us, just not in Florida. All right, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think you get the picture, right? We're, we're not dare saying that some of these issues aren't important issues. Hear me out. We're not saying that some of these issues are not, for real, truly important issues. Of course they are. And we each need to use great biblical discernment and biblical wisdom when making choices about these things. Absolutely. But what we are saying, what we are saying is that here at Kernan, these are not the kinds of things that we're going to let divide us. We're just not going to do it. We're just not going to let these issues divide us as a church family, as people who have been united by the blood of Jesus Christ forever. J.D. Greer says in his book about the gospel, he says, error, error, it has been said, is often simply truth out of proportion. In other words, heresy, false teaching, is not just wrong teaching, It is also putting undue emphasis on certain aspects of good teaching. Gospel-centered churches then emphasize most of all the news about what Christ has done for us. The secondary matters flow out from that. They don't eclipse it. Well said. We're not saying that it's taboo to talk about these things on the third level. I teach on them occasionally on Wednesday nights in um, our co-ed equip class, right? We're not saying it's taboo to talk about them at all. That's not what we're saying. We're not trying to say that we should be fearful to talk about them. We're not saying that either. We're just saying at the end of the day, what are we really giving our proper attention and focus to? What are we really valuing more than anything else? Is it the gospel? If we're going to keep the most important thing, the most important thing, we must give that proper attention to it. We must learn to value it above all things. And that must be true in our personal lives. And therefore, if it is true in our personal lives, guess what? It will be true in our corporate lives. So how are you doing with this? As an individual, how are you doing with this? As a part of, as a single part of this church as a whole, how are you doing with this? Are you giving proper time? Are you giving proper effort and attention into learning and memorizing and pondering the truths of the gospel? Have you really centered your life around this? Like every part of your life, not just Sundays, not just Sundays, but really every day during the week, are you centering your thoughts, your willpower, your emotion, your priority list, whether it be the tangible things you have to do or the emotional things that you want to think about or that you are thinking about, where is the gospel on that list? Are you making time? Are you making time? Are you giving proper attention to it? Are you focusing on it? Are you valuing it for what it actually is? I want to close with some encouraging words from Jesus about priorities. Jesus said in Matthew 6, he was talking 
how we shouldn't be anxious about money and we shouldn't be anxious about material things. We shouldn't elevate our priorities and get them out of whack with all these things that are going on. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then he says down in verse 33, his summary statement about all of this, what does he say? He says, but seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first, keep the gospel first and everything else will find its place. Everything else in your life will find its proper place if you keep the main thing the main thing. Are you doing that? Are you really seeking his kingdom first? May we strive together this year in 2024 to be the people of God who can truly say, you know what, there's a lot going on this year. There's a lot on our minds. There's a lot of things we need to get done. But you know what, more than anything else, we keep the gospel first.